morning, family. Yo, how do you get up and preach after that? Yo, isn't the Lord kind to us that he's here with us by his spirit? Yo, hi, guys. I've had the privilege of uh, uh, being in Milnerton this morning with the youth. Um, here they are in the front row. Um, our, our youth were leading worship at the Milnerton service this morning. And uh, it was just an amazing, amazing time in the presence of God. Um, yeah, it's so beautiful. You know, we were standing there in the presence of the Lord, and I walk in here, and the Lord is here. We're one big family, one, one church, one body. And uh, what a privilege to be part of that, hey? Yeah. Uh, good morning. I'm very excited to share the word of God with you this morning. Um, and I'd like to start with, with two uh, messages from Andrew, if I may, please. Um, Andrew uh, is the leader of Josh Jen. He's the lead elder. He's also uh, the lead apostle in the 412 field of churches. And uh, we are so privileged to be led by men who love God and who are called by God, and who are gifted and graced by God. And Andrew certainly is. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard Andrew speak uh, in person, but every time he speaks, my heart is stirred within me, and I want to run for Jesus. And you know, that's part of the apostolic gift. It's the gift to call others to follow Jesus, to make us run harder after Jesus. Um, and I had the privilege of uh, sitting in some meetings with Andrew this week, um, a couple of elders' meetings, and Andrew was uh, bringing us some instructions and some, some direction uh, f that he felt from the Holy Spirit. And I would like to relay uh, two messages uh, from him, if I can, to us as a church. The first one is... Um, is about finances, about giving, about tithing. And uh, Andrew has seen that uh, Josh Jen has grown uh, significantly in the number of people that are attending and are members and are part of our service. I don't know how many of you were at the gathering. I think there were about 300 or so new members. Tell me if I've got the wrong number. I don't know exactly what it was. Plus or minus that. Um, 300 new members added just at the last gathering. I mean, that in itself is a, is a medium-sized church. You know, new people. Um, and, and I think from the beginning of the year, we've grown by about 600 new members. And so the, the numbers of people that are that are joining Josh Jen, that are, that are following Jesus along with us, are growing. But it's interesting because um, Andrew has a team of people around him who help him to care for the church. And as part of caring for the church, they look at the numbers and the statistics and, the, you know, and that type of thing. And when they look at, at the giving of the church, even though the, the church has grown, the giving has stayed largely the same, which means there's more people, but there's only the same amount of giving. Also, the number of people depositing has stayed the same. So it's, it's, it's people giving through the um, uh, automated banking, what do you call it? EFT has stayed largely the same. Now, in some congregations, it's gone up a little bit. In other congregations, it's gone down a little bit. But it's kind of at the same level. And one would expect normally, if you've grown by 600 people, that more people would be giving as members. And so Andrew is a little bit concerned that maybe as a church, we've for some reason begun to drift from the value of giving first to the Lord. You know, it's wonderful to be part of a church that's growing and impacting the nations in, in, in 412 and, and to see people coming to the Lord, being saved, to see the impact on our communities. 
But what we don't want to do is we don't want to just grow in number and dilute in value. Does that make sense? The Bible talks about salt, and it says if salt loses its saltiness, what is it useful for but to be discarded? You know, if you've got salt, you know, and you want to make it more salty, you don't add a lot of sand. You, you, you just need a, more salt. And so what I, what, what I want to do is I want to encourage us that as a family, we have a value which is that we give of our first fruits to the Lord. We tithe. We give 10% of what, of our increase, the Bible says. 10% of our increase. Now, we don't prescribe, okay, it must be gross or net, or it must be, you know, on your share portfolio, this is how, how you do it, and on your rental income, and on your, you know, your, your, your monthly earnings. No. But there's a, there's a general principle that we see that was modeled by our father Abraham way before the law was brought in place. And I know there's, there's some people who, who and, and I'm going to talk about a second principle, which is false teaching and wrong doctrines. And there's some people who get caught up because they see things online about we're no longer under the law, we're under grace. And so I don't have to tithe. I can just give however I feel. And that's unbiblical. Because Abraham, our, the father of our faith, tithed to somebody called Melchizedek, who if you look at him, he was basically Jesus. And he gave to Jesus a tenth of everything before the law was ever given that we should tithe according to the law. And so the principle of tithing starts before the law. It runs through the law. And then you see Jesus in the New Testament affirming again to the Pharisees. He said, you should be tithing a tenth of everything, your dill, your cucumbers, your, all the things that they were. And also regarding the more important, the more weighty things of God to love and to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Does that make sense? And so what I'd like to remind us of as a family, I'd like to remind you of the importance of the value of giving to God. The reason that we give to God is not because He needs our money. He doesn't. The Bible says that all the earth belongs to the Lord. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. In fact, I was reading with my boy William in the week, the book of Hebrews talks about Jesus who created everything and who sustains everything by the word of his power. Do you know that this breath that you're breathing at the moment is given to you by Jesus? And so everything we, we are and have are his. And so he asks us, of all of your increase, give to the church. A tenth. Why? Two reasons. One, so that his work and his kingdom might come in more and more effective ways. There was a businessman who approached Andrew in the week and he felt, you know, he was going to build another factory. He was going to grow his business and the Holy Spirit convicted him and he said, no, I'm not going to take this deposit that I would have paid, paid to buy a factory. I'm going to give it to the church. Andrew, here is a million rand Use it, however the Lord says. And because of that, we've been able to employ full-time a number of further elders so that the church can grow, so that the sheep can be looked after. Does that make sense? And so the one reason God asked us to give is so that the kingdom might come, so that His work might extend beyond the borders where it currently does. That's the first. And the second reason that he asks us to give is so that our hearts might be his, so that we might not lean on our own strength, on our own finances, on our own ability, on our own employment, on our own jobs, so that we might lean on our heavenly Father who provides everything for us richly to enjoy. Amen? It feels like the... The heavens have opened. 
You see, when we give, even when we speak about giving. The second, so, so are, are you with me with that family? Are, are you with me? Hello? Can I, can I um, ask you please, if you've maybe, because things have been tough and, and things have been tough, and, and, and if maybe circumstances have, have, have prevented you from giving, maybe, you know, whatever it is, job, can I ask you, if this is something that you're struggling with, and even with my encouragement today, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how to, or, or I, then come and talk to me. Or come and talk to the elders, or the deacons, or your community leader. Come to them and say, I heard Lucas on Sunday, I believe it, I've got faith to give, but I'm struggling. I don't know how to, I don't know how to structure my finances. Come and talk to us so that we can help you to tithe. Amen? Thank you for the rain, Lord. Nathan, you're going to have to help me, eh? I know that the book of Malachi is not really the best place to talk about tithing. But he does say, test me now in this. Test me now in this. And see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out such a blessing that you will not be able to contain it. Feels like a bit of a confirmation. Okay. The second thing, the second message is, okay, Lord, thank you. We got the message. The second thing is this. How many of you, uh, like me, have ever um, wandered down a rabbit hole on either YouTube or Facebook before? Does, does everyone know what a rabbit hole is? It's, it's where maybe you, 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 you want to watch uh, the, the Stormers against Munster, you know, the, the highlights, because you, you, you were doing something else and you couldn't watch the game, or maybe you don't want to watch those highlights. But, you know, uh, and, and, and you, you, you see it, and then suddenly there's something about you know, somebody who's got, you know, the biggest gun ever made in the world, you know, and, and then you start watching about the, the, the bullet penetration into different types of metals, and, and you go down a rabbit hole. Has anyone ever? Okay. That, as you know, that's happened to me before. The Bible warns very clearly in the New Testament in particular, about the danger of false teachers. About false teachers who are eloquent and who speak well and who are persuasive and who will craftily, sneakily, lead us down a rabbit hole away from the truth. The book of Hebrews chapter 2 talks about how, verse 1, it talks about how we must pay attention to the truth that we've received and we must carefully listen to it because in case we might be led astray. And I know Maybe many of you feel like, you know, you've been a Christian for many years and, you know, you've been maybe even brought up in Josh Chen and, and, and you've, you've learned what the truth is and so you feel confident. You feel confident that if you, if you read something or if you watch something that's slightly an error, it won't fool you, it won't trick you. You won't be deceived by it. And yet the Bible warns 
in no uncertain terms that in the last days, people will gather for themselves teachers who will tell them what their ears want to hear. The Bible says that our hearts are very deceitful and that they are easily distracted. They are easily um, deceived and led astray. You know, the devil is the father of lies. The Bible says when he speaks, he's lying. He's speaking his native language. And so there's a real risk because what he does is he doesn't come out at you with, you know, God doesn't exist. No, because you're like, no, I know God exists. But he says, no, God exists. He's just busy. He just didn't hear you. He did, yeah. And so he, he, he sneakily, he masks himself as an angel of light. And yet he is completely evil. And the warning that came from Andrew this week is that because we are in this age of infinite access to information, infinite access to any teacher from anywhere in the world, and everything is recorded and everything is immediately available online or in books, the risk is to the church that we as the sheep will get led astray. Let me give you an example. And just let's all be honest. How many of us have in the last month listened to somebody bring a Christian message, but somebody who's outside of Josh Jenner 412? Just keep your hands up. Just look around. Okay. So what happens is we are feeding, often from very good things, but we are being fed from sources and people and teachers who are outside of the 412 field or the Josh Jen field. Now, normally, that's, that's fine. But Andrew has brought an apostolic and a prophetic message to us that he's asking that for a season, we close those windows. We batten down the hatches. We stop listening to outside teaching and outside voices. For some of you, you might be in the middle of a fantastic book. I am in the middle of a number of fantastic books at the moment. And what it means is, is that for a season, we decide not to read that. We decide to close that book. We decide to stop those podcasts or those YouTube videos. And that we focus on two things. Number one, I nearly lifted up my iPad, the Bible. That, that's where I, that we read the Bible. We go back to the scriptures. You know, when we're going for our daily walk or run or whatever, we listen to the scriptures, not somebody else's interpretation of that. And number two, that we focus on, and there are more than a year's worth of resources if you were to live uh, listen eight hours a day or watch eight hours a day on Josh Jen or 412 um, websites. Does that make sense? Are we a cult that wants you to only listen to? No, we're not. But sometimes in a family, the dad says, it won't be helpful for you to watch this movie, my boy or my daughter. And in this season... I would like to ask you as a family, would you commit with me that we would obey our leaders and submit to our leaders in this regard for a season? Not for always. And we'll let you know when the season is done. I don't know yet. We'll hear from Andrew. But that we switch off the outside voices and we, um, and we are kept safe and we are built up in our faith in this way. Can I ask that? Okay, awesome. If you've got any questions about that again, please come and talk to us and uh, we can explain more about the heart of why we want to do that. Is that good? Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to now uh, continue. 
what we started last week, which is to talk a little bit more about faith. And I'm just going to take my jacket off because I'm getting hot, and then I'm going to preach. Okay. So um, I'm not going to give you a recap. If you would like to listen to last week's message, if you missed it, I'm sure it's on the website, and you are allowed to listen to that. We began last week with an overview of what faith is, and we touched on that faith is believing that God will keep his promises. The next point I want to make to you is that faith is the way to be saved. It's the way to eternal life. And uh, Nick, do you have my scriptures there? Wonderful. Let's go to John 3, 16. Most of you will know this. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That whoever believes in Him, which means whoever has faith in Him, shall not perish but shall have eternal life. How many of you have ever questioned, am I really saved? Anyone? Yeah. I've questioned that myself. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But the beautiful, powerful gospel message is this. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will not perish. You will be saved. It's that simple. And, and it's that important. It continues and it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Your name is the greatest. Your name is the highest. Your name. Right? Why? The name of Jesus. Why is it so beautiful? It's because it's in believing in the name of Jesus that He is God that we are saved. There's no other way to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to life than Jesus, than faith in Jesus. In John 10, verse 27, the word says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Jesus is sheep. They know him. They follow him. And they hear his voice. And he gives us eternal life so that we wouldn't perish. In John 20, all of this is in John. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles, uh, miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Why were the Gospels written? Why did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and all the other people, but specifically the Gospels, why were they written? Why were all the, the miracles of Jesus written down? The fact that he turned water into wine. The fact that he, he walked on the water. That he calmed the wind and the waves with just a word. Quiet, be still. Why are all these things written? Why was it written that he went to the cross and he died and blood and water poured out and that on the third day he rose and he met with all the people? Why is it written? That you might believe. And that in believing, you would have life. And it continues, and it says, these are written so that you may continue to believe. 
There is a continuous nature to our faith that is very important. I'm not going to go into Calvinism, Arminianism. The, 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 the Calvinists will say to you, once saved, always saved. The Arminians will say to you, believe, but keep believing, because if you fall away, then we don't know if you're saved. I'm not going to go into that debate. I think both are somewhat right, even though they seem to be a little bit contradictory. But what is clear, according to the Scriptures, is that if we will remain in the faith, if we will continue to believe, we will not perish, but we will have life. Does that make sense? Is there a risk that we may not continue to believe? Is there a risk that we might fall away? There is a risk. And so part of the reason of preaching about faith is that we might be reminded of the importance of faith, of the value of faith, and, and the, the first importance of faith, because it's eternal in consequence, is that it's only by believing and by remaining believing that we have eternal life. I know this, some of us here, there was a time in our life when we were more on fire, when we believed more, when we were more passionate about God, when, when He was more at the center of our lives than He is now. And maybe He's become a little bit crowded out by life, by pain, by struggle, by circumstances. And the encouragement to you is make the kingdom of God the priority of your life. Make your faith the priority. Put it first in your life. Let there be no other priority. In our home, there are various priorities. There are important things, depending on who you talk to. If you talk to mom and dad, and of course, Jesus is the highest. Of course. And, and his church and his family, that's, that's the highest. But if you ignore those just for a second, the other priorities are education. That, that we want our children to grow up, to be well-educated, to be trained, to be able to understand what the Bible says and how, what is God like through science and maths and how to express yourself to be a useful tool in God's hand through language and literature and logic and, and argument. We, we want our children to be educated. But please, Lord, let it, let it never be that education comes before faith. We want to be healthy. We want to eat good food most of the time. Other than when Patrick starts to introduce me to the beautiful food. We had, we had, we had Gatsby's the other day. Oh, my goodness. Let, wait, I'm getting distracted. <clears throat> let, it, let it never be that our health or our exercise, or the pursuit of physical well-being would be, get in the way of our faith. Because physical well-being gets you more comfortably to death. But your faith takes you forever and ever and ever to life. So faith is the way to eternal life. The next thing about faith is that faith is how we understand. It's the, it's the tool, it's the method of how we understand. Let's read some scripture together and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 3. By faith we understand. There we go. I could stop there, but let me continue. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Let me explain this to you. Why do we need faith to understand how we came about?
George. Yes, JP, you got it. You got it ahead of George, but let's see what he was going to say anyway. Okay, so, so what George said was, if we don't have faith in the Bible, then we need to look for a, a way of understanding outside of Scripture what happened in the past, okay? And, and what scientists, you know, people love to say, you know, it's either science or the Bible. No, 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 it's not. But those who think it is, um, scientists are like these people who are climbing the mountain and, and they're learning and they climb the mountain and eventually they kind of get their heads over and there's all the pastors sitting there. Because the Bible is true, science will ultimately discover that that's the case. But what they do is they say, no, you have to use the scientific method to understand things. The problem with the scientific method is it uses a proof. So you, you say, okay, um, if, let's prove gravity, right? Okay, so the way you prove gravity is you, you perform an experiment. So you get up high, right? And then you say, let's see what happens. Okay, that happened the first time. Okay, but that's not conclusive. Let's see if it happens again. Oh, well, okay, now I'm pretty convinced. I think gravity works. Let's try again, right? Okay, yeah, gravity, it, it works. It's kind of a very poor illustration of the scientific method. You do it a number of times. If it happens the same way, okay, that's the reason, that's the cause, and you can learn about it. The problem is we can't create the universe again. We can't go back. And so what they do is they, they start to look at all sorts of different scientific techniques. I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, they look at the number of rings in the tree. They look at these ice things, and, and they try to prove how old it is and carbon dating, and all of which is flawed. Big time. And the problem is, is that we can't go back. But by faith, we can understand how we were made. The other thing is, by faith, we can understand what God is like, the nature of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, there's, there's many of us, maybe, you know, you heard that message just now about, from Andrew saying we want to close the door on, on, on external teaching for a season. And according to your own understanding, you might be like, no, but hold on, you know, I, 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 let me figure, let me, I'm going to. But the Bible says don't lean on your own understanding. It says trust in the Lord. I got into very big trouble over the last two months by leaning on my own understanding. Very big trouble. I got seriously depressed, seriously scared and anxious. You know why? I started to go firstly down a rabbit trail, I told you, the Al Jazeera investigative stuff. And then I started to look at corruption all around the world. I started to look at what Julius Malema was saying about his plans for South Africa. I started to think about how bad the coalitions were. I started to think that the elections are coming up. I remembered what happened in Natal. I thought, okay, there's going to be, you know, and I started, and it started to, and my own understanding started to paint a picture. I thought, where can I run to? And then I started to look at American politics, and I thought, oh, not there. I started to look at, uh, I started to look at the UK. Maybe I can go, you know, run back to the island of man and then I remembered the weather <laughs> I'm joking I there was nowhere that my mind could find that I could escape safely and the nagging thing in the back of my mind was like Peter and the disciples you know Jesus was describing a similar situation he says you know if you're not prepared to eat my flesh and drink my blood you're not worthy of me you can't be part of me and all the crowds left and the disciples are also wanting to go because this guy's freaking them out right and they and they're like and then and then Jesus says would you also like to go and Peter says where can i go 
you have the words of life. And, 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 and that's where I ended up in the end too. I'm like, I can't escape anywhere safer or anything because the only safe place is with Jesus. And for me, he's here. Does that make sense? And so regardless of my experience in Zimbabwe with everything falling apart and losing everything, regardless of my experience in understanding economics and politics and, and how it works and inflation, and regardless of what happens with my investment, regardless, I will lean not on my own understanding, but I will trust in the Lord. What will, what will I trust about him? And this is the problem, is that there is a content to our faith. And one of the reasons why our faith can be weak is because there's not enough content to it. It's like trying to make a beautiful bread with no wheat. You're going to end up with a little bit of butter, some yeast, and maybe some brown sugar to work the yeast in and a little bit of oil maybe, and some water. Well, what's that bread going to turn out like? You're like, well, I'm doing everything, you know, but there's no content, there's no wheat, there's no substance. And so we're going to get, we're going to start to learn about how do you build your faith so that there's content to it. Because faith is not a leap of faith. It's not, you know, this is all rational and reasonable here, but then I get to the end of what I know, and now it's faith. No, that's not faith. Faith is standing firm on what you know. Does that make sense? And so what we need to do is we need to build the content. We need to build the the, the bridge, the, the structure, the, the, the support to our faith. And it's all given to us in the Word of God. I'm running a little bit ahead of my notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. This is another thing that I needed to learn. I came from, the, from a place where my mom, when I grew up, she always said to me, Lucas, you need to be the best. You need to be, she used to call it the top of the top. You need to be, you know, because only the, the cream of the crop are the ones that make it. And so for me, it was always about excelling and trying to be the best in everything. And then I had to somehow realize that all of my wisdom, all of my strength, all of my understanding are way too little to survive. It doesn't matter how clever you are or what degrees you have or what qualifications you have or what success you have or what money you have or what resources you have. It's way too little. And so what you can do, like me, is you can open your eyes to see and trust and believe in somebody who is enough. And that is our heavenly Father. He is all we need. And He cares for us. And He promises to care for us and to provide for us in everything. So the point is, we understand by faith. We don't need to lean on our own understanding. We don't need to know exactly how it works. Sometimes we think God is like this formula or prayer is like this formula. You know, if I get it just right, then I can have, you know, and, and, and so we try faith, but then if we, don't, if we don't see what we wanted, we then kind of think, okay, no, no, maybe I got the formula wrong, and we try to understand again. Oh, relax, family. Relax. 
We can never understand God. His thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are beyond our thinking. So we can come to him very simply as little children and just say, Daddy, help me. Daddy, lead me. Abba, Father. That's why Jesus said, unless we come to God like one of these little children, we can't enter the kingdom. And so I want to try to, to demystify it a little bit for you. We don't need to understand everything. We can just trust him. One Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen to twenty-five. I'm just going to read it. Let it just remind you of this truth. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent." So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seem, seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So can I remind you of what we've said so far? The first one is that faith is believing that God will keep his promises. The second one is that faith is the way to be saved. It's the way to eternal life. The third is that faith is how we understand. The next one is that faith is the basis it's the reason that we live the way that we do. Okay? Faith is the reason why we live the way that we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. Okay, I'm going to give you an example of somebody who is about to live by faith. Joseph, you're about to live by faith. Come. Hi, Joseph. Do you trust me? Yeah. Do you believe that I won't hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to live by faith? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yes. Not by sight. Uh, yeah. Come up here, please. And just face that way. Okay, now you can close your eyes. Don't move until I tell you. Okay? Don't move until I tell you. Okay. Keep your eyes closed. Okay, I need a, a little girl.
What's your name? Chloe. Come, Chloe. Joseph, you can look here as Chloe comes up. Come up, Chloe. How old are you, Chloe? Ten. Ten. Are you strong? I think. Okay. I'm going to ask you, when Joseph falls, I want you to... I, I want you to catch him so that he doesn't hurt himself. Is that okay? Um, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, okay, Joseph, you can close your eyes now. And I'm going to ask Chloe to catch you. Okay? Are you ready, Chloe? Yes. Okay, Joseph. Chloe seems to be ready. Um, I think that she's strong enough. Um, so I want you to trust me and just fall backwards and let her catch you. One, on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Joseph, you crazy fool! That was amazing. I would not have done that. <laughs> Chloe, amazing. Thank you. That was an example of living by faith, not by sight. I even added Chloe into the picture. I mean, if it was me, I might have, you know. But that was amazing. And that is exactly what God asks of us. What he does is he, he puts us into an impossible situation and then he says, close your eyes, trust me. Four. Well done, Joseph. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I've already read you the, the NIV which said, for we live by faith, not by sight. The New Living says, for we live by believing, not by seeing. Hebrews 10.38 says, and my righteous ones will live by faith. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9, the Bible talks about the people who lived their lives by faith in this way. And it says, and even when he reached the land, he's talking about Abraham, even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. God calls us to live by faith. And, and, and yet, I know in my experience, it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy to start off in faith and then start to lean more and more on the flesh or on your own wisdom or understanding or way. Um, I need a chair. So, this is what happens thought I had it the first time. This is what happens in my life. It might be the same with you. I'm not sure. But we, are, we, 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 we go through periods when Christ is very clear to us. His beauty, His love, His promises are very front of mind. We, we hear Beautiful promises from him about eternal life, about salvation. And, and so we trust him. How many of us have trusted Christ for salvation? Okay. So all of us have been there. It's, I mean, it's crazy. You believe in a man who died on a tree for your eternal future. But it's a gift. Faith is a gift. It's something that, that the Holy Spirit gives to us. It's the gift of God. Okay, And so we, be, we begin in faith. 
We, be, we begin in, in grace. We, we, we start off like that, and we, we're solid. We, we feel that we, we're building our lives on the rock. We're on solid ground. And then what happens in my life is it's not that I'm tempted to abandon my faith. Let me get up here so you can see better. It's not that I'm, I'm, attempted, I'm tempted to, to abandon faith in Jesus or to move away from him, but what the devil does is he, he just adds something to me. So I was standing. I was in faith. I was free. I, I was, and then what he does is he, he adds something, like this chair, for example, right? So I'm called to, to lean, to live by faith, to, 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 to be free, to be in God. And, and he adds something like, Um, money. He gives me. He, I, I earn some money. And it's nice. And it's, it's there. And I'm not leaning on it. I'm perfectly fine. And, and, and I can be a good steward of it. And you know what? If I am a good steward of it, I'm regularly giving it away. But then he gives me more. Thank you, JP. And then I give it away. Thank you, JP. He gives me more. And then I'm like, yo. <laughs> yeah, I know how to give, you know. But I become a little bit attached. But because it's nice, I mean, you know what I mean. I, and I can have, buy a nice house and car, and yeah, and I can eat nice food, and you know. And then I, I want to, but I just don't. You know what I'm saying? And slowly but surely, I start to get to the point where um, I begin to, I mean, I've still got faith, you know what I mean? I trust in God for my salvation, you know, but for lunch or for rent, yeah, and, and, and you know, I become more and more, yeah, comfortable. And then sometimes God in His kindness says, Lucas, that chair, give it to me. And then, we, you know, which chair? <laughs> because what happens is, I mean, I look for the chair. Is my identity starts to become... You know, I mean, and, and people in the church, leaders especially, you know, or, or chief especially when he does stewardship teachings, you know, he starts to tell me that it's a little bit weird the way that I'm always with my chair. But I mean, I can function perfectly fine, me and chair. Do you understand? And so I've become attached to it and I've started to rely on, and I end up, Becoming very strangely, you know, bound and comfortable with my chair. <laughs> Until you struggle to distinguish me from chair. What is it? What is it that causes us not to lean entirely on the Lord? is we become attached to things. And maybe, I mean, for me, it was what my mom said to me when I grew up, you have to be the best of the best. And you know, I, I was sitting one day at the real estate awards ceremony in the UK. And we won the developer of the year in the UK. 
and uh, myself and my business partners and my team were all there and you know and 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 real estate developer of the year you know the best in the field you know artisan real estate and yeah, yeah. and i went up and they gave me something that looked a little bit more fancy than that it was a plastic thing that said real estate developer of the year award plastic painted gold yeah and i stood there on the stage and everyone else was there going like this we deserved it better ours was better than theirs i don't know about these awards these judges and i went and sat down at the table with my little idol and i looked at malcolm and i said is this what we're working our whole lives for Do you have any attachments? And I realized how worthless it was. And so what we do is we start to live a life that is very counter to all of the way that the world is going. Seriously? We start to live, you know, I, I realized I was spending all my life climbing up a ladder. <coughs> and as I got nearer the top of the ladder, I realized this ladder is against the wrong wall. There is nothing at the top of that ladder. And it's the same thing with us, whether it's business or career or 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 beauty or handsomeness or health or strength yo the lord was so kind to me recently <coughs> started off with two heart attacks two stents so i've got a free flow heart now and i remember coming out of that thinking yo lord i'm going to rely on you i'm going to lean on you and i'm going to cook and i'm going to eat nice baked bread proper healthy remember that After a couple of months, the bread gets a little bit, yeah. Gatsby's, Gatsby's. Huh? Proper bread, yeah. Where was I going now? Oh, and then the other day I wake up, you know, about four in the morning and I'm like, yo, uh, but so maybe I need to go to the toilet, you know, oh, but yeah, I say, and, and, and Annie's like, are you okay? I'm like, ah, I've got a bit of a sore tummy, you know, I don't normally get this, you know, it's, but yeah, and, and uh, uh, oh, and by the way, I, I have back pain, as you know, you know, like, yeah, and so, you know, and I couldn't really lie properly and, yeah, and a sore tummy, and I'm like, ah, and, uh, and he's like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, you know what, maybe I need to go to the bathroom, do, do me a favor, lovey. I'm not feeling that, can you, do you mind make me a cup of coffee, you know? Because often, you know, what happens is you drink coffee and then you can go. <laughs> so Annie goes and she makes me a lacquer cup of coffee, you know, and, and I'm like, uh, and, and by the time she gets back, I'm really sore. And so like, I'm like, yo, I really need to go. And, and I down the coffee, you know. And you know, one of the worst things for stomach ulcers is coffee. And I'm telling you, yeah, then the pain started, boy. And I was like, ah, yeah. And he's like, no, I'm taking you to the hospital right now because I thought it's another heart, uh, heart attack, you know? So anyway, off we go. Anyway, long story short, stomach ulcer, yeah? Ah, cool. And then I'm like, Lord, what is going on? You know? Well, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm falling apart here. And he's like, yes, you are. And, and I can't surf anymore, you know, because surfing was this beautiful, lovely, relaxing thing for me. And I used to love time out in the waves with my friends. Yeah, it's, it was awesome. Yeah, and now I can't do that because of my back. And I'm like, Lord, you're taking all this stuff away from me. Yeah. And I got all. He's like, yeah. It's all temporary. 
Because for you, Lucas, to live is surfing and food and nice things and nice house. And uh, So I'm not going to just take them all away so that you can learn that for you to live is Christ. And so faith is the way that we start to welcome the discipline of God in our lives. And we start to see, oh, Lord, you're not against me. You're for me. We're in the process of selling our beautiful house that was our dream house. Why? I'm so excited. And he is so excited. You know who phoned me now? The agent. We had a second viewing on Saturday. And I think she's phoning to tell me it's sold. I think. We'll see. I'm so excited to get rid of that prison. What do I mean? I mean the views are beautiful. And the braai is like I always wanted it to be. And the, everything is... The, but can I tell you, that thing is like a chain for me. It might not be for you, but for me it is. Because I'm chained because I've got some of my self-worth in what kind of house I have. I've got some meaning and significance and in, look at me, what I've, uh, and the Lord kindly is coming and he's just cutting it off. Why? Lucas, would you please move to Malmesbury because there's a church plant there. We need you to, I can't surf in Malmesbury. I can't take my house to Malmesbury. Like, I'm, I'm, chained to these things until the Lord kindly comes and says I'm cutting you off from that chair now you can be free and I can tell you on that day when I stand before him I'm not going to be Lord thank you that I could live in a nice house for those 30 years I'm going to be Lord thank you that you set me free from that house so that I can invest my life and those finances in the kingdom. And he's going to become, let me show you your house. We live by faith. Does that make sense? And, and many of you are way ahead of me in this. I'm not boasting. I'm not elevating. I'm saying I'm just learning. Chief will keep teaching me. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to close. Hebrews 10.38, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But look what the last part of that verse says. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. And that's the risk. I mentioned it at the beginning. There's a risk that we start off free, but then we turn away to follow other things, other priorities. Hebrews 11:13 continues all these people and he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and all the saints of the past and Samson and Jephthah and and Rahab and all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. It's underlined, Hebrews 11.10. It talks about Abraham. It says, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. I warn you, to stay away from chairs is what he's saying. 
Because then when you try and get into a relationship with people, it becomes uncomfortable and dangerous for everyone. Does that make sense? Come and follow me as I follow Jesus. Not like that. Right? Anybody else want to carry a chair around? I mean, it's fine for one minute, but try for a week. Can we pray?